good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. So this is the last Sunday before Easter, and we haven't, we haven't encouraged a, a very specific Lenten practice here at SLC this year. We don't usually kind of just introduce it and let people do their own thing. Um, but this week, as we go into what is called Holy Week, we have an opportunity to sort of condense it and, 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 and do a very conscious kind of uh, a practice. And so we have Palm Sunday today, which I'll talk about in a minute. You know, and on Wednesday, we have our communion service, and we're calling it On Holy Ground. And Reverend James and I will be here. Paula and Larie are going to bring us some music. And it's a very contemplative type of service, and it allows us to clear out the past, accept the present, and prepare for the future. It's also an opportunity to allow old associations uh, with, with communion from other places to drop and connect with the true meaning of this common meal. I mean, you know, Jesus had the, the Last Supper. They got together and they shared food together and they really connected. And it's a great time to clear the mind and emotions. And once we've cleared our minds and emotions, then we can step into Good Friday. Now, Fred, Good Friday, I know in the past, they have done the whole crucifixion thing here. We're not doing that. <laughs> um, I know some people actually said they stopped coming because it was so grim. We talk about the last seven words of Jesus. Now, it's really phrases. It's not just one word. Um, but it's not a dreary meditation on death. These are the last words or phrases were actually the whole teaching of Jesus in one, you know, in seven phrases. And that experience brings us to the point of full release, allowing our old ideas to die away and new ones to be resurrected or, or renewed in the wonderful Easter uh, you know, service that we're going to have. And so I in invite you to join us on that journey of introspection, purification, and resurrection. So the um, communion service is on Wednesday at, what time is it? It's at 7. And then on Friday night, the, uh, the uh, other one is, is on. At, at the seven last words of Jesus are on at, is at 7 o'clock as well. And they will each just run an hour. So we hope to see you here. So Palm Sunday, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on, they say it in the Bible, an ass. And... <laughs> You know, the metaphysical meaning is really, really deep. Jesus triumphantly rides into Jerusalem, and he represents the I am, while Jerusalem represents peace, the possession of peace, the vision of peace, the abode of peace. 
And I wonder how triumphant do we, do any of us feel when we achieve peace, that knowing that all is well no matter what is the world, the outside world is doing. And it's a big deal for us. And it was a big deal that Jesus did this, that he made this ride. You know, people had really high expectations. They thought they were getting a new king, a real actual king. But that wasn't Jesus's mission. Jesus' mission was and continues to be simple. It is to bring the divinity of humans to the whole world. He was bringing a new order into the mind and affairs of humankind. The message of Jesus is meant for everyone. He didn't come to start a new religion or tell people what to wear or what to eat. He came to show us a new way of being in the world. Now, I have had conversations with a couple of people over the years who have had a real trouble with the story of Jesus' crucifixion because they bemoan the fact that it was so horrendous. And I agree, it was horrendous. And my sort of unministerial response to that is that it had to be dramatic because how else would he have gotten our attention? We humans are a tough audience. Even his disciples didn't really understand what he was doing. Even towards the end, they're like, well, can we do this? And he's like, no, this is the way it's got to be. And so we, we get confused about that. And then the other conversation that I have with others and with myself is, was Jesus completely awake and aware when he was born? Or did he have to come into his own divinity through the process of living this life? Now, my personal take is that yeah, pretty much. He came in open and able, but still had some things to do here, to experience and to grow. Maybe he just didn't have as far to go as like I do. <laughs> it, it's said that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And that's hard for us to understand because this concept is so, uh, uh, the, the concept of so many spiritual teachings revolves around achieving enlightenment the death of the ego, releasing your humanness. When the reverse is actually true, we can only come into our own divinity as we embrace our humanness. And this is difficult for us to do. And of course, we can go one place for wisdom and that would be Facebook. <laughs> and this is what I learned on Facebook, is no one tells you this, but getting into alignment with your inner being can sometimes feel like baptizing a cat. We know that by the time Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, he's fully attained the consciousness needed to complete his mission, and the time is right. He is both human and Christ consciousness, but how can that be? How can you be both? You know, Reverend James talks about Lessons in Truth by Emily Cady a lot. And last week even, he mentioned that he was talking about chemicalization, and he said that an entire chapter had been removed from um, Lessons in Truth because they thought that the definition of chemicalization was too negative. And of course, I wanted to know what I had missed. And I went and I looked at my copy of Lessons in Truth from 1975 or so, and that chapter was not there. So off to the internet, and, uh, and I found a copy, a PDF copy of an 1895 version of Lessons in Truth. And the chapter's there. And that chapter is actually a definition of metaphysical terms. 
So there is the definition of um, chemicalization in there, but there was another one, and I thought it was so appropriate for today. Katie writes about the difference between personality and individuality. Now, she used individuality very different than what we're used to, so hang with me for a bit. For her, personality applies to the mortal part of you, the mortal mind, the, the, the person, the external, is governed and is governed by the intellect. Now, sometimes we use the word ego, but very frankly, I can relate to a personality better than this kind of elusive ego thingy, right? So I like that she uses the word personality. And she notes very seriously in the book, she says, and there may be those who don't like your personality. <laughs> But individuality, then, denotes the real person. The more God comes into visibility through a person, the more individualized they become. If God is wisdom, intelligence, love, and it comes through a person, that person is individualized. Personality is changeable. Individuality is inner. It's unchangeable. And it's important to realize that there is nothing here that says that we must remove our personality. There's this misguided idea that our personality or ego must completely die for us to gain enlightenment. We are meant to be fully human, and we are at our highest and best when we are individualized, when that love, compassion, and wisdom shine when they shine through, while the personality does its job of helping us continue to function in the world. When you look at Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem, we see a person who is fully realized as a human being, personality and fully individualized as an expression of the highest, the very highest consciousness. And if we look at just the individualized aspect of Jesus, the Christ presence within him, we might understand how the idea that Jesus was a meek and mild person came about. When someone expresses love, compassion, wisdom, and all those other spiritual things, we see them as a, as a peaceful, non-confrontational person. And we somehow decide that a good person is never disruptive. But Jesus, the personality, was human with feelings and emotions. He cursed a fig tree. We don't even know why. It just, he cursed the fig tree. Okay. Um, there's an, and there's an instance where he was asked to heal someone. And I can't remember if there's one or two of these in the Bible. And he said no. He was tired. They had been working all day. He had been you know, walking. He, had, he was just tired. And he said, no, I can't do it now. And they pressed him to do it. And so he agreed. And it took him more than one try. There's only like two places in the Bible where Jesus had to try more than once to do a healing. He was human. And of course, then there's that little incident in the temple with those money changers and the tables. There's some personality going on there. Perhaps run by this other, this higher knowing that things needed to change. You know, the, the, the whole idea of Palm Sunday comes from one very short passage. It's John 12, 12. And it doesn't give much about the ride into Jerusalem. Just that the people heard he was going to be there and they brought these palm branches to honor him. There's no mention of him 
making a speech or strutting or making himself, you know, this is here I am, I'm just super good. He was just there. And as I was driving in this morning, it occurred to me that there's one other thing that we never hear about Jesus every, anywhere, is if Jesus had a sense of humor. Now, I'm thinking he had to have a sense of humor because look who he was dealing with. <laughs> you know, there had to be. I would love to see, you know, the book of Jesus's jokes, not the jokes about Jesus, but the jokes, <laughs> the, the, the jokes of Jesus. I mean, there had to be joy. There had to be humor. And we know, you know, the, the, the well-known spiritual teachers of our time, humor is a very big part of that. And so, this fully human person, he brought his personality, that it brought him to this place and led his inner being to lead him to do what he needed to do for the good of humanity. Had he let the personality take lead, things might have gone differently. And so Jesus is a good example of how to be in the world, but not of it. Now, most of us think that we have to choose. We either can have a comfortable material life or we can have a quiet spiritual life, but we have difficulty realizing that we can do both, that we can be both. And this is where that baptizing the cat thing comes in. The inner conflict that arises when spiritual growth is upon us and we are afraid to let go of an old way of being is just there. We look at examples like Jesus and the Buddha and others and think we have to immediately rise to the level of consciousness that they achieved. We think in terms of all or nothing. We fill our heads with words like should and must. Now, not long ago, my Thursday spiritual exploration group engaged in a conversation about procrastination. And it took us a while to get around to that topic. <laughs> anyway, we discovered that one of the biggest reasons we put things off is because we don't know how to do it. Or, we can't, or we're afraid we can't do it well. And I don't know how it is in other cultures, but the greater American culture is so driven, and we have such a focus on achievement. I sometimes wonder if other countries have as many self-help books as we do. I'm really afraid to go out and do that research. I probably won't. You know, I mean, self-help books is a huge industry in the United States. You know, we either don't realize or we have forgotten that spiritual development is not instantaneous. Hence the word development. It is not uncommon for a person to begin a, spiritual, a course of spiritual study and then become dispirited because it's taken so long. And there's a, you know, there's a good distance school. It's called International Ministry, Metaphysical Ministry. And they started in the 1960s and they were a correspondence course. And they still operate very much the same way. You sign up. Um, pay your very small fee, they send you the materials, you work with the materials, and then once you've answered all the questions, you send it back, and it's pretty darn thorough. It may sound kind of fly-by-night, but it's pretty darn thorough. And the man who started actually studied with Unity and all kinds of things before he did this, and they tell you there's, there's three parts to it, and they tell you it probably take about a year to do the first one, about a year to do the second one, and um, you know, then the, the last one is a dissertation. So... Um, some people go into thinking, I'm going to do this in six months. I'm just going to go through this and I'm going to get it done. 
And then they start writing on the Facebook page, golly, this is happening and this is happening and I'm having to take my time and oh my God, I'm failing at this because I'm not doing it fast enough. And I thought I would do it in about six months because I was very already steeped in metaphysics. And the first one took me about a year. The second one took me about a year. And that was in 2013. 2013 is when I finished that and I still haven't written that dissertation. <laughs> Now, part of that is, for those of you who have done college, I don't think I want to write another academic paper. I think it's, it's really, it's come down to that. And I think I've got enough letters after my name anyway. So I may never write that paper. But during the process, I realized when I would want to push faster, like, I'm going to go get this done, I couldn't because I was already full. And I needed to integrate and understand what I had already read and, and learned. So... Um, you know, that, that's, that's such a good example of how we get impatient for spiritual um, development. And of course, we also want to get out of that place where we feel like we're baptizing that cat. We don't want that pain. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. Spiritual development is a process. Spirit takes as long as spirit takes. And you know, and some people have, will have a very deep, dramatic, mystical experience, and, and it affects them deeply, deeply. And after that, life, thing is, is life goes on after that. You know, Rick and I are always talking about how before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You know, those, those moments, if you have them, are wonderful, and they help expand your consciousness, but they're not required for your spiritual development. You know, we all, we're all different. There is this, during the lockdown, there are people saying, we're all in the same boat. And then people are coming back and saying, we're not. And the truth is, we weren't. We were all in the same storm. But we were all in different, different situations. Our boats were very, very different. And this is true of our spiritual lives. We are on the same earth, but our vehicles are different, our needs are different, and we come into this life with varying abilities. I believe different levels of memory stay with us from where we come from. Some babies start forgetting almost immediately. As soon as they, they hit Earth, they're like, okay, this is where I am. I, for, I forget where I came from. Some retain a strong connection for, a long, for quite, a, quite a few years until maybe it's trained out of them. And some of us, no matter what we do, we can't forget from where we came. We just know, we still continue to have that connection, just knowing that we belong to something more. And there are times that even, you know, that we don't recognize it. But when we begin to become intentional about our spirituality, that's when we start to put pressure on ourselves to be the highest and best right now. But we have that inner conflict. We engage in a personality versus individuated conflict. And because we're afraid that if we don't operate from personality, we're afraid that we will cease to exist. If we persist in our quest for spiritual insight, though, somehow that conflict will slowly fade. And it will fade more quickly or more slowly for different people. And when we start to have times when that God wisdom, God compassion, God love comes through, and maybe at first it isn't necessarily shining through, maybe it's sort of like leaking in around the edges of your personality, but it, you stay at it, and slowly personality moves over, gives the individuated God energy room 
to operate. And if you can get past your own self-judgment about being human, when you stop looking for that one amazing dramatic event that turns you into an instant ascended master, you'll start to recognize the small moments when you individuate, when you are truly an expression of the one source. These small moments are precious moments of triumph. Each time you achieve the proper balance between personality and individuation, even for one minute, is a gift. And it's a sign that you are open and ready. And more moments come, each one a triumph of spirit in the material world. When I think about Jesus riding into Jerusalem that day, one idea comes to my mind. And that idea is trust. Whatever was going on with the personality Jesus was supported and governed by the individualized Jesus. The I am moving into the holy city, the vision of peace. And what a triumph for us to come to that same place of consciousness, if even for a moment, and then we recognize it. That's the triumph. So as you walk through this week, no matter how or where you prepare for the resurrection, for the renewal of that deepest, most precious part of you, I wish you your own triumphant entry into the holiest of holies, the abode of peace. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh